We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 634 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Tuesday August 15th 2023 it is day one of a two-day session of joint training camp practices for the commanders and Baltimore Ravens at the Ravens team facility in Owings Mills Maryland the commanders and the Ravens Washington DC and Baltimore Maryland uh, getting together for a couple of days. Practice will be at 9.30 a.m. each day. Uh, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh on Monday told reporters that some Commanders players were coming up to the Ravens facility on Monday night uh, to meet with the Ravens and uh, get a lay of the land uh, at the Ravens facility. I really like that the Commanders are doing this. There are a lot of benefits to uh, joint training camp practices. And as we know, our football team can use all of the benefits it can get. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Next segment, you will hear comments from Commander's head coach, Rod Rivera, from his post-training camp practice press conference on Monday morning pertaining to these joint practices with the Ravens, including Ron using a curse word. (laughs) Yeah, Ron used a naughty word in talking about stuff that he does not want to see at these joint practices, but I'm also going to take you through Ron's comments on a number of injuries for key commanders players right now. Uh, All of these injuries do seem non-serious, but uh, we could see some key commanders players held out uh, of these joint practices, or at least limited in these joint practices, uh, which do figure to be rather competitive. Uh, We could have an interesting next two days. Uh, And you will hear Ron's evaluation of the commander's first team offensive line in the preseason opening 17-15 win at the Cleveland Browns this past Friday night. All of that and more next segment. Then I'm going to talk about edge defender Montez Sweat off Rod Rivera on Monday morning, uh, comping Montez this coming season to interior defensive lineman Deron Payne last season, with the idea being that Montez is poised for a breakout season like Duran's last season. Uh, How true is this? How valid is the comparison? And did Ron saying that on Monday morning give us any clues regarding the likelihood of the commander signing Montez to a contract extension before the 2023 regular season? Uh, I've got a lot to say about all of that. 
Also on the show, I will discuss yet another win for the American League leading Orioles, a 4-1 win at the San Diego Padres late night on Monday night as the rise of Grayrod continues. Starting pitcher Grayson Rodriguez, one run in seven innings, six strikeouts versus one walk. He has been so much better since being sent back down to Triple A Norfolk and then called back up. To the majors. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Mike Harwell on something that we have not talked about in a while, the issue of the name of our football team, writes Mike. My lifelong passion for the Redskins began in the late 1950s. I developed an almost irrational affection for the team through all of the ups and downs in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. My affection has remained in spite of Dan Snyder, maybe because I do not live in the D.C. area and have missed some of the unrelenting bombardment from the press about him. So for me, the team will always be the Washington Redskins. No other name works for me. If that cannot be the name again officially, then Commanders is as good as anything else. And with time and success on the field, the name will be accepted by most true fans. I have to add, I am really missing the logic of so many people who consider the name Redskins offensive. Why would anyone choose to name his or her sports team a derogatory name? The name was chosen because it inspired the strength and fortitude of Native Americans. It was not to depict skin color or a bias against Native Americans. It speaks of bravery and victory. Just ask General Custer. Listen to the lyrics in the team song, Braves on the Warpath, Fight for Old D.C. It is a shame that our society has fallen into the abyss of correct speech determined by who knows who. Shame on FedEx for fostering this loss of freedom of speech for Redskins fans, and shame on Snyder for capitulating. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Well, uh, I would never tell a Native American who feels that the name Redskins was offensive that the name was not offensive. Like, if you are a Native American and you feel that way, no problem. Your feelings matter and uh, should be respected. What I do still wonder is what percentage of actual Native Americans actually feel that way. And if the answer is a small percentage and that the overwhelming majority of actual Native Americans like the name, then what exactly are we doing here? Uh, It was on episode 609 of this podcast that I had on Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews of the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA, which is a nonprofit Native American organization advocating for the commanders to go back to the name Redskins. Uh, Eunice is Native American, Tony is not. But NAGA, since appearing on this podcast, has garnered a lot of momentum. Uh, NAGA now has an online petition of tens of thousands of signatures of people who want the name of the team to go back to Redskins. The petition, as of early Tuesday morning, was at nearly 98,000 signatures. I mean, think about that. 98,000 Uh, Who knows where this is going, okay? There's still a lot working against the team going back to the name Redskins, but I do believe that there is a chance. It is not a sky-high chance, okay? I'd put the chance at less than 10%, but there is a chance, and I do come back to this. If the word Redskins is so bad, where was the outrage over people with the team using the name? July 21st, 
the press conference for the Josh Harris Group at FedEx Field, the managing partner, Josh Harris, and the top two limited partners, Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, each guy during the presser said, Redskins, if the word is so bad, where was the outrage? Uh, July 28th, head coach Ron Rivera during a post-training camp practice press conference talked about the Phoenix Suns' Kevin Durant, uh, a native of Prince George's County, Maryland, a big Commanders fan, being at the practice. Ron called Durant, quote, a Washington Redskins slash Commander fan, end quote. Rod could have just said Commanders fan, could have just said Washington fan, but he said, quote, a Washington Redskins slash Commander fan, end quote. Where was the outrage? I don't know if the Josh Harris group and Ron Rivera noticeably using the word Redskins was a strategic testing of the word or just some big coincidence, but whatever the case, if the word is so bad, where was the outrage? And if there was no outrage and few people had a problem with the word being used, then why can't the word be the name of the team again? Email from Dr. Sabah on former Commander's quarterback Taylor Heineke. No, just kidding. (laughs) On what Naga has got going on, writes Dr. Sabah. I loved that you had the Native American Guardians Association on a few weeks ago. It was wonderful and opened my eyes to what is the truth about the Redskins name. I learned that Redskins is not a slur and is a name that the natives gave themselves in the late 1700s when they painted their faces with red paint to distinguish themselves from the white man, and it was a sign of honor and being a warrior. Anyway, the signatures are at 90,000 now to change the name back to Redskins, and NAGA member Bill Diekman, a Native American, was interviewed by Lawrence Jones on Fox News on Saturday and was the number one trending subject on Fox News Online on Sunday. My confusion is, and my question to you is, why are the local radio stations not interviewing Naga and not talking about this swell of support to bring our Redskins name back? Why are you the only one with the guts to talk about this and interview Naga? And why does it take guts to talk about what 90,000 people want and what the Native Americans want? What am I missing, Al? Uh, Thank you. For the email, Dr. Sabah. I always love hearing from Sabah. Sabah, October 15th, Commanders at the Atlanta Falcons. Will that game give us the quarterback battle that we have to have? Sam Howell versus Taylor Heineke. Sabah is a Carolina girl and a huge Commanders fan, and yet also, of course, is a massive Taylor Heineke fan. Sam versus Tay-Tay on October 15th would be her two worlds colliding. Anyway, uh, Uh, I will say this about the local radio stations not having someone from Naga on. So now two Mondays ago, August 7th, I looked this up on my phone, so I got the date right. Uh, I got a call from J.P. Finley. Uh, J.P. is a great guy. I've had him on the podcast plenty of times. Heck, he was just on a few weeks ago, episode 617. Uh, He covers the commanders for NBC4, does an awesome job covering the team. Uh, He also co-hosts the show for 106.7 The Fan. And JP called me to ask me about Naga because he knew that I had had members of the group on this podcast. And he had received a bunch of tweets about me having had members of the group on this podcast. And he wasn't sure whether he was going to have someone from Naga on as a guest. And we talked about all of this. And I think that there are a few holdups for people having someone from Naga on uh, in no particular order. Number one, 
The general exhaustion slash fatigue with this name issue, and trust me, (laughs) I totally get that sentiment. Uh, Number two, the still extreme unlikelihood of the name of the team ever going back to Redskins. Although, uh, like I said, I do think that there now is a chance, more of a chance than there was, say, a month ago. Uh, Number three, the fact that we are now truly in the football part of the football year with training camps and the preseason going on. And when you're in the football part of the football year, you do very much want to talk about actual football. Uh, Number four, the great feeling that we all have had uh, as Commanders fans with the sale of the team to the Josh Harris group and, you know, not wanting to interrupt the positive vibes with what can be a divisive conversation about the name. And along those lines, uh, number five, the tendency for the name conversation to get political. And I see this all of the time. My mentions on Twitter (laughs) are filled with interactions of people getting nasty with each other over the name issue and invoking politics. Look, Saban, her email mentioned Bill Diekman being on Fox News (laughs) this past weekend. That right there will trigger people who hate Fox News. And let's be honest, you're probably not going to be seeing Bill Diekman or anyone from Naga on uh, MSNBC anytime soon. Bottom line, okay, I had the members from Naga on this podcast in large part because I can't stand how those Native Americans who never wanted the team to drop the name Redskins have been ignored by the media. Uh, The episode on which I spoke with the Naga members came out on July 13th, uh, what was the three-year anniversary of the team retiring the name Redskins. And I'm glad that I had the Naga members on. We had what I thought was a good, civil, fact-based conversation. Uh, The overwhelming majority of the feedback that I got to having the Naga members on was positive. Uh, I can count on one hand the uh, negative responses that I got for having the Naga members on. Uh, I, in the conversation, made it a point to acknowledge the opposing view and get them to address the opposing view. Uh, And if you don't agree with Naga, that's totally fine. As I always say about the name issue, it is an issue on which reasonable people can disagree. There is a lot of gray area with the issue, and that's a major reason for why the issue has gone on and on and on and on and on. Well, also uh, going on is what's happening in the home and auto insurance markets right now. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. And that's why you should get with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. Uh, And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And 
Perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Please consider following this podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. Uh, So the commanders on Tuesday are beginning their two-day session of joint training camp practices with the Baltimore Ravens. So the practices are happening at the Ravens team facility, which is the Under Armour Performance Center in Owings Mills, Maryland. And then the commanders' second of three games in the 2023 preseason is against the Ravens. So commanders versus the Ravens at FedEx Field this Monday night, August 21st at 8. The commanders on Monday morning at their team facility, uh, what is Ortho Virginia Training Center at Commander's Park in Ashburn, Virginia, held a padded practice that was open to fans. And unfortunately, some uh, newly injured key Commander's players emerged. Uh, corner Benjamin St. Juice, the Juice, uh, he on Monday morning did not practice uh, due to what head coach Rod Rivera during his uh, post-practice press conference on Monday morning called a tweaked ankle. Uh, here's what Ron said. He uh, got a little tweak on his ankle, and so, you know, obviously a guy that runs a lot, you don't want to get out there and, you know, uh, exacerbate the injury, so we just want to be smart, see how he is. We slowed him down yesterday. Today, we just kept him out. All right. As you may recall, Benjamin St. Juice in the 2022 regular season dealt with an ankle issue. Uh, He played in just 12 of the Commander's 17 games due to a right ankle injury. Uh, Right guard Samuel Cosme, he on Monday morning got hurt during team drills. He emerged from the medical tent wearing a small wrap on his right knee. Uh, This was Ron Rivera during his post-practice presser on Monday morning on Cosme. Yeah, it looked like he he, he got it hyperextended. It was straight when when he got bumped. Somebody rolled into him, I think. Um, And so they, you know, they let it calm down on the side. They checked him and uh, put a sleeve on. He went back out there and, and, and didn't seem to have a problem. I was watching him near the end just to make sure he was he looked good, and he sure did. He moved around pretty well. Okay, uh, running back Antonio Gibson. He, on Monday morning, limped off the field after practice, uh, was limping with Masahiro Takahagi, or Hagi, as he is known. Uh, Hagi is the commander's assistant athletic trainer. Uh, Rod Rivera, during his post-practice presser on Monday morning, did not have any specifics on Gibson, but commander's insider Ben Standing of The Athletic, he on Monday afternoon tweeted that he was told that Gibson was dealing with cramps. Additionally, on Monday morning, tight end Logan Thomas, again, did not practice due to his calf injury, and interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis did not practice due to his calf injury. Uh, Although, left guard Sadiq Charles has been back practicing off his calf injury. 
Uh, also, edge defender Chase Young. Uh, he on Monday morning did participate in individual drills of uh, suffering a stinger in the team's preseason opening 17-15 win at the Cleveland Browns this past Friday night. Heck, we on Monday morning learned of an injured coach for the Commanders, Travell Wharton. Uh, who is becoming the team's offensive line coach, although for some reason that promotion still has not been officially announced. But uh, Wharton was not at practice on Monday morning. Uh, this was Ron Rivera during his post-practice presser on Monday morning. And then you'll hear some follow-up exchanges with Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. Yeah, Travell threw his back out. And uh, yeah, so he's, uh, he's recovering right now and, and hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, you know, it's, it's a back. It's always a tricky thing. He had surgery, correct? Yes, he did to, to, okay. to correct it. And, um, you know, it was, it was a minor procedure. And so he's going to miss a couple days and should be back. Okay, so he, he won't be at Baltimore then? Probably not. All right, so even commander's coaches are not safe from injury right now. But Logan Thomas, he remains out with this calf injury. He now has been out for well over a week. The commanders on Sunday morning announced the signing of a tight end, announced the signing of unrestricted free agent tight end Caden Smith. Now, he may have been signed mainly to eat up practice reps and preseason snaps, but how is Logan Thomas doing? Is there reason for concern? We on Monday morning had this exchange between Nikki Javala and Ron Rivera, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange between commanders insider John Keim of ESPN and Ron. With Logan, uh, what, what's the level of concern there with him? Is it still caution? Yep, this, this is point? caution. I'll tell you, he's a little bit older veteran guy, a guy that's coming back. Um, you know, we just want to be careful with him. Maybe we're being overly cautious, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is the guy's ready to play when we open up the season. Okay. And kind of sticking with him, because of the age and the, and the experience, does that allow you then to be even extra slow with him? Yes, it does, especially a guy in his position. That's uh, so important for us. It wouldn't do us any good to get him out there a little too early and all of a sudden, you know, that injury get flares up again. So for the most part, we just want to be cautious. We want to, want to take our time with, the, with an aged veteran like that. And all of that makes sense. I have zero problem with the commanders taking a cautious approach with Logan Thomas, but there are a few things to keep in mind. Logan has not had a good last few seasons in terms of health and production. The Redskins in March 2020 signed Logan as an unrestricted free agent to a two-year contract. He had that terrific 2020 season. Washington in late July 2021 announced the signing of Logan to a three-year contract extension, but he in the 2021 regular season played in just six of Washington's 17 games due to a hamstring injury and then a season-ending torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus. And Logan in the 2022 regular season played in 14 of the Commander's 17 games. He missed three games due to a calf injury, and he did not have a very productive season, and now he's dealing with another calf injury. Uh, This coming season will be his age 32 season. It's not like he's ancient, you know, but he is older. Uh, He's coming off two seasons marred by injury and lack of production. And let's be honest, Logan Thomas has only had one good NFL season that being his 2020 season. Now, that doesn't mean that every other NFL season for him has been bad, but in terms of like real, actual, concrete production, he has only had one good season, the 2020 season. I've got nothing against Logan Thomas, but when he gets talked about as a key part of the offense and a known quantity, like, is he, (laughs) you know, like look up his stats, examine his NFL career. He has had one good NFL season his 2020 season. I hope that he is great this coming season, but 
I do think that there are a lot of questions about the commanders at tight end, especially considering that another tight end, Armani Rogers, is on the reserve injured list. Uh, as I said on Monday show, episode 633, there is real opportunity for Cole Turner to assert himself as the commander's new number one tight end. There also is real opportunity for John Bates, uh, who, yes, uh, did have that drop on Friday night, although uh, that was not an official drop. But the commander's first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter punt, the fifth snap of the drive. Right tackle Andrew Wiley uh, committed a first and 10, 10-yard holding penalty also on the snap, which uh, did not go down as an official play because of the penalty, uh, was Bates with a drop uh, on an offset eye play action throw by quarterback Sam Howell. As for the uh, much-talked-about performance of the Commander's first-team offensive line on Friday night, so that first Commander's offensive drive was a mess for the offensive line. I mean, the first snap of the drive, edge defender Obo or Caronquo ran through left tackle Charles Leno Jr. to tackle running back Brian Robinson Jr. on a shotgun handoff run for no gain. Fifth snap of the drive, Andrew Wiley committed a first-and-ten 10-yard holding penalty uh, on the snap uh, that gave us the uh, John Bates drop that wasn't. Uh, Seventh snap of the drive, second and 28 for the Commanders at their 25. Center Nick Gates failed uh, on a block on a reception by Brian Robinson Jr. from minus two yards. And then on the Commanders' second offensive drive, we had the safety. Third snap of the drive, third and 10 for the Commanders at their five. Wiley called for another holding penalty, this time a five-yard holding penalty in trying to hold off edge defender Zadarius Smith, resulting in a safety. Now, in fairness to the line, it was good enough for the commanders to put together that 10-play, 80-yard drive that resulted in Sam Howell's second quarter, first and 10, 26-yard shotgun play action touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dodson. But Sam, on that play, (laughs) was under duress. And let's also keep this in mind. The struggles of the commander's first-team offensive line happened despite the Browns' Miles Garrett, one of the best edge defenders in the NFL, not playing in the game. What might the first-team offensive line have looked like had Miles Garrett played this past Friday night. Here was Rod Rivera on Monday morning on his evaluation of the performance of the first-team offensive line in that preseason opening win at the Browns on Friday night of having rewatched the game. Well, I thought there were things that were better um, than people anticipated, and then there were some things that we have to shore up. The nice thing is those those incidents, those 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 mistakes, those are all correctable. Those are technique things more than they are anything else. I thought schematically they handled all that pretty well. Um, but I think individually, there are some things that do do need to be shored up for sure. Going to be very interesting to see how the commander's offensive line does against the Ravens in these joint practices. In fact, Ron Rivera on Monday morning said this in response to being asked about whether there were any specific position groups or players he was especially looking forward to seeing in these joint practices with the Ravens. We're doing this for everybody. Um, now, do I, do I want to see some some specific groups you know, step it up, be better than they were the other night? Absolutely, absolutely. And some individuals as well. Because it'd be a good chance to develop because, you know, other than watching them on tape, we haven't practiced against them. We haven't played against them yet. So, you know, we'll have tape from their game last uh, the other night. But the biggest thing our guys got to understand, you know, is that is that this is a chance to do a little studying, a little preparing, and then going out there and competing against a, a, a very good football team. 
when it comes to these joint practices for the commanders with the Ravens, uh, of course, there is uh, chippiness uh, that could emerge. And so we on Monday morning had this exchange between Commanders Insider J.P. Findlay of NBC4 and Ron Rivera. Knowing it's hot and the intensity is going to get ramped up with these Baltimore practices, will you have a conversation with your guys tonight or, or maybe tomorrow morning about keeping their cool and making sure this is practice and not something else? Absolutely. I already did. That's what I did right there. I said, hey, next you know, next time we're on the practice field, it's going to be this. It's going to be competitive. We're not there to, 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 to beat anybody up. We're there to play against somebody and learn and grow and develop. And uh, I was very direct about that and I'm going to be very direct in the next couple meetings that we have leading right up to practice uh, we don't want to go around and bullshit we want to come we want to get around we want to learn we want to grow we want to be able to work our offense and defense and special teams against a very good football team very well coached football team that's pretty much been one of the standards for probably the last 14 years since since John Harbaugh arrived on the scene so um, you know we all can learn something from those guys and, and that's the approach I want everybody taking Okay, Rod Rivera does not want to see any BS between his players and Ravens players. These joint practices will be Washington's first joint training camp practices with another NFL team since the Skins joint practices with the New York Jets at Skins training camp in Richmond, Virginia in August 2018. And those joint practices ended up including fighting between the Skins and the Jets. And remember, we had the Skins joint practices with the Houston Texans in Richmond in August 2015. And the third day of the uh, three-day session with the Texans ended early due to fighting. Uh, There was a lot of fighting, so much fighting, uh, that that final joint practice was ended early. It's interesting to me, though, how respectful and praiseful Rod Rivera was in those last two cuts that I played for you in talking about the Ravens. Uh, Ron multiple times called the Ravens, quote, a very good football team, end quote. Ron called the Ravens, quote, one of the standards, end quote, of the NFL since John Harbaugh became Ravens head coach in January 2008. Ron also talked about the potential for the commanders with the Ravens to, quote, learn something from those guys, end quote. Uh, Ron is right. It's just not often that you hear an NFL head coach be that deferential to another team, but he is right. Uh, The Ravens have made the playoffs 10 times over the last 15 seasons. Washington has made the playoffs six times over the last 30 seasons. Big difference. Uh, Also from Ron Rivera on Monday morning was him addressing the commander situation at receiver. Uh, There would seem to be four definites at receiver for the team's initial 53-man roster for the 2023 season. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, and De'Ami Brown. Who will make up the other, let's say, two or three receivers who make the commander's initial 53-man roster for the 2023 season? Uh, There is an incumbent receiver, Dax Milne. Uh, There are the two former Kansas City Chiefs who the team over the last few months signed as unrestricted free agents, Marcus Kemp and Byron Pringle. Uh, there's Casimir Allen, the undrafted rookie out of UCLA. Uh, he's a combo receiver running back, and he also could be uh, the primary return man for the Commanders this coming season. Uh, there's another undrafted rookie, Mitchell Tinsley out of Penn State. He is getting more and more attention. He did well in the preseason opening win at the Browns. One reception for 26 yards on one target and playing on 23% of the commander's offensive snaps. In fact, Tinsley for the game was the second highest graded commander's offensive player for pro football focus. Overall grade, a 76.3. A PFF grades were on a scale 
of 0 to 100. Tinsley in the fourth quarter on a second and 24 for the Commanders at the Browns 48. Made a nice leaping catch on a 26 yard shotgun completion by quarterback Jake Fromm. Uh, this was Ron Rivera on Monday morning on what will be the determining factors in which receivers make up the last few receivers on the commander's initial 53-man roster for the upcoming season. Well, I think it's really going to be about fit. You know, the, the guys that we're looking at, the guys that we're going to keep, will they most certainly fit the needs that we have? You know, we got a couple guys that are nice-sized receivers that run well, um, very good on special teams, and that's going to be one of the one of the factors as well. Um, some position flex. You know, we got a couple guys that can play all three of the uh, the, the wide receiver positions. Um, those are the guys that are you know that that you also will take into big consideration. Um, and as I said, uh, um, special teams most certainly is is a consideration. So Ron Rivera mentioned a variety of factors, including <laughs> yes, position flex. Um, some position flex. Yes, Ron, position flex. Uh, Ron mentioning size was interesting. Not a lot of size for the commanders at receiver. The uh, listed heights for the commanders top four receivers are as follows. Terry McLaurin, six feet. Jahan Dodson, 5'11". Curtis Samuel, 5'11". Deami Brown, six feet. But how much size for a receiver matters is debatable. I mean, if a receiver is fast and runs great routes, he can overcome lack of size. And the team in Terry and Jahan in particular uh, has two receivers who are fast and who are excellent as route runners. Well, also excellent is the Game Time app. Uh, Hey, being a fan of Washington, D.C. area teams is uh, stressful enough. (laughs) Buying tickets to games for our teams should not be stressful. And when it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Yes, the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. Uh, The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's Games this coming season. A lot of good deals. And the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Uh, Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Game Time is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code Al Galdi for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's Game Time. <laughs> download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it was on last Tuesday's show, episode 628, that I talked a good bit about Commander's Corner Benjamin St. Juice off head coach Rod Rivera at his uh, post-training camp practice press conference on August 7th, having had a lot of nice things to say about St. Juice. And I wondered about St. Juice this coming season, potentially being a breakout player for the Commanders in the way that interior defensive lineman Deron Payne was last season. St. Juice, very talented player, biggest problem has been staying healthy. And as we talked about last segment, he did not practice on Monday morning due to an ankle issue, but he overall has had a really good training camp so far. And if he does stay mostly healthy this coming season, he could have a big season, a breakout season. Well, Rod Rivera in his post-training camp practice press conference on Monday morning actually made the comp of another player with Duran Payne last season, edge defender Montez Sweat. Rod was asked how Montez was doing this was Ron's answer. He's looked good. He really has. He, um, you know, he, he's the guy that's got some great explosion, um, play speed, and, and quickness. Uh, and you see it. You see it flare up when he's focused in and ready to roll. You see some really good reps. You see some good flashes of what his abilities really are. So it's good to see him moving around and flying around. And you know, it, it's one of those things that you just know he's ready to take that next step. A lot, um, you know, very similar to what we saw last year with Deron uh, uh, Payne. All right, so there it was, Ron Rivera comping 2023 Montez Sweat with 2022 Deron Payne. I think that that's notable for several reasons. So yes, there certainly are parallels between 2023 Montez Sweat and 2022 Deron Payne. Each guy, a defensive lineman, uh, each guy taken in the first round of an NFL draft, uh, each guy durable, each guy entering slash being in a contract season. But I would point out this difference. Duran over his first four NFL seasons, 2018 through 2021, was a pretty good player who was inconsistent. Montez over his first four NFL seasons, 2019 through 2022, was mostly just a good player, certainly in two of the last three seasons, 2020 and 2022. It's hard to evaluate Montez's 2019 rookie season because <laughs> the team was so bad that season and we had an in-season head coaching change, but Montez finished his 2020 regular season with the following numbers. Nine sacks, number one on the team. Six pass defenses, number three on the team. Two forced fumbles, number three on the team. Overall grade for pro football focus of 79.7, number 10 among all qualified 
edge defenders in the NFL. And oh, by the way, Washington for the 2020 regular season had a really good defense. Uh, Then came Montez's 2021 season, which, yes, was by his own admission disappointing. And we had the constant cryptic comments from Ron Rivera about concerns about the team's maturity. And we had Ron at one point calling out the team's top two edge defenders, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, to be more productive. But Montez, even in this disappointing 2021 regular season, had five sacks, which actually ranked number two on Washington, uh, 24 pressures per the sport radar data on pro football reference that ranked number three on Washington. And Montez was number one on Washington with an average of 2.4 pressures per game, uh, 13 quarterback hits, which ranked number three on Washington, three forced fumbles, which ranked number one on Washington, and an overall grade for pro football focus of 75.6. And he did all of this in the 2021 regular season, despite playing in just 10 of Washington's 17 games. He missed five consecutive games due to being on the reserve injured list due to a fractured jaw and then being on the reserve COVID-19 list. And he then was inactive for Washington's final two games of the 2021 regular season uh, due to a tragedy, uh, due to the shooting death of his brother, Anthony Sweat, on December 28, 2021. There's a tendency to group Montez Sweat's disappointing 2021 season with Chase Young's disappointing 2021 season, but they had two different 2021 seasons. Montez's was a lot better. And then Montez last season was great. Uh, Montez for the 2022 regular season had eight sacks. Uh, Okay, far from an overwhelming total, but still, that's not nothing. And he, for the 2022 regular season, ranked tied for fourth in the NFL in quarterback hits with 28 uh, and ranked tied for 13th in the NFL in tackles for loss with 14. And he, for the 2022 regular season, had an overall grade for pro football focus of 86.4, which is very good. And the commanders for the 2022 regular season had a very good defense of having had a bad defense in the 2021 regular season. So Montez Sweat has been a good player. But yes, there is another level for him to get to in order to be considered a great player. And that is where the sacks come in. Um, And as we have discussed, you can't just go by sacks when judging edge guys. Sacks can be flukish. Uh, Who gets credit for a sack can be almost random. I mean, when a pocket collapses and a quarterback gets swarmed by three or four defenders, who gets the actual sack is almost arbitrary. Uh, And a player on a play that results in a sack can be the primary disruptor, but not actually get the sack. Uh, To me, sacks for edge defenders are like, say, touchdowns for receivers, a highly flawed way of evaluating a player. But at the same time, It is true that the good edge defenders do seem to have a good number of sacks and the good receivers uh, do seem to have a good number of touchdowns. Like there is something to be said for finishing plays and that's the next big step that you want to see Montez Sweat take. Uh, He is, of course, a freakish athlete. The commanders list him as being 6'6 and 262 pounds. He has long arms. He already is very good against the run. We saw that in the Commanders' preseason opening 17-15 win at the Cleveland Browns this past Friday night, right? First quarter, fourth and goal at the one. Montez, a solo tackle of running back John Kelly Jr. for a loss of four yards on a shotgun handoff run. But this coming season, no doubt, you'll want to see more sacks from both Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Uh, I mean, think about this. So the commander's assistant defensive line coach is Ryan Kerrigan, right? 
Uh, Ryan Kerrigan is number one in team history in regular season sacks, 95.5. Ryan Kerrigan over his 10 seasons as a Washington edge defender, 2011 through 2020, totaled four double-digit sack regular seasons, and that does not include him having nine and a half sacks in the 2015 regular season. Montez Sweat and Chase Young, over their combined seven NFL seasons, have totaled zero double-digit sack regular seasons. Ryan Kerrigan, over his 10 seasons with Washington, totaled a team record 95 and a half regular season sacks. Montez Sweat and Chase Young, over their combined seven seasons with Washington, have totaled 38 regular season sacks. And would we not all say that Montez and Chase are more athletically gifted than Ryan was? Uh, and yet, Ryan's sack production blows away the combined sack production of Montez and Chase. So absolutely, uh, there is another level that Montez can get to. And I hope like heck that he this coming season does get to that level. But, you know, there's something else that crossed my mind off Ron Rivera on Monday morning comping 2023 Montez Sweat with 2022 Deron Payne. Does Ron saying that tell us anything at all about the likelihood of the commander signing Montez to a contract extension before the start of the 2023 regular season? We are hearing nothing about potential contract extensions for Montez Sweat and another key commander's defensive player entering a contract season, safety Cameron Curl. Now, just because we're hearing nothing doesn't mean that nothing is happening. But Ron Rivera, when last asked about potential contract extensions from Montez Sweat and Cameron Curl, basically said that the potential contract extensions had not even been discussed with the new ownership, the Josh Harris Group. Uh, additionally, Ron has been big on touting how the team's approach with Deron Payne paid off. The team last offseason, as best as we can tell, didn't even offer him a contract extension, and he ended up falling out to where the team early in the 2023 offseason gladly gave Deron a big money contract extension. Could it be that Ron doesn't want to sign Montez to a contract extension right now? Could it be that Ron thinks that the team is better off having Montez play out the 2023 season as a contract season? Something to think about. I do think that Montez Sweat has earned a contract extension. Again, his track record is better than Duran's was entering last season. And signing Montez to a contract extension right now really shouldn't cost top of the market money, uh, which is what he might be able to command in the 2024 offseason if he has a big 2023 season. Uh, the Chase Young conversation is a separate conversation for a lot of reasons. But will we see a Montez Sweat sack production eruption this coming season. We saw a sack production eruption from Deron Payne last season, and uh, the big leap in sacks led to a big leap in money. Well, another win for the Orioles, who now in this 2023 regular season are a season best 29 games above 500. A 4 1 win at the San Diego Padres late night on Monday night in game one of a three game series. Joe Angel. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, sir. The win column. Uh, now, both the Texas Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays did win on Monday night, too. Uh, the Rangers smashed. 
the Los Angeles Angels 12-0 as the former Nationals ace, Max Scherzer, was outstanding for the Rangers. Seven scoreless innings, 11 strikeouts versus one walk. The Rays won at the San Francisco Giants 10-2. So the O's are 74-45, three games ahead of both the Rangers and the Rays for the best record in the American League. And the O's are three games ahead of the Rays for first place in the American League East. I mentioned Max Scherzer being dominant on Monday night. Uh, So was the Orioles starting pitcher on Monday night, Grayson Rodriguez. Gray Rod. He was good for a fifth consecutive start. Uh, Rodriguez in this 4-1 win at the Padres. One run in seven innings with six strikeouts versus one walk. He gave up just three hits, a solo homer, and two singles. He threw a lot of strikes, 95 pitches, 65 strikes versus just 30 balls. He again was throwing fire. Uh, Grayrod per stat cast, an average four-seam fastball velocity of 98.9 miles per hour. The difference for Grayrod in this go-round at the major league level as compared to his first go-round is remarkable. Uh, the O's on May 27th announced that they had optioned Rodriguez to AAA Norfolk. He, at the major league level in this regular season, had been horrible, okay? 10 starts, ERA a 735, a whip of 172. But the O's on July 17th recalled Rodriguez from AAA Norfolk. He had a 6-4 loss to the Los Angeles Dodgers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on July 17th, allowed four runs in five innings. But he since then has been really good. Gray Rod over his last five starts, an ERA of 235. Uh, this was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, in his postgame session with reporters late night on Monday night on Grayson Rodriguez. Just total command from start to finish. Love the slider. Love the changeup. Showing 99 to 100 miles an hour through seven innings. And uh, you know, doesn't walk Bogarts there. The two outs in the seventh. The chance he's going to go back out there for the eighth inning. And uh, just a, on a night where we were extremely short in the bullpen. He goes seven great innings for us. Have you been seeing this kind of performance coming for him? Yeah, you know... Just such a huge difference from when he came back. They just those guys. Those guys did a great job down there. Pitching guys here, um, Grayson himself, just an amazing job of the deliveries better. It's better tempo on the delivery. The command's better with his fastball. He's pitching with way more confidence. And uh, yeah, that's you know, it's it's not an easy lineup to go through, and uh, to go through it three times, go through seven innings, outstanding. Yes, it was. Uh, The Orioles' bullpen late night on Monday night came through. Two Orioles relievers combined for two scoreless innings. Jacob Webb tossed a scoreless bottom of the eighth. Felix Batista tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth for the save, uh, despite issuing back-to-back one-out walks. Uh, The Orioles' offense in this 4-1 win at the Padres was so-so. Four runs, nine hits, just two walks, just one for seven with runners in scoring position. The nine hits were comprised of a homer, two doubles, and six singles. The two standouts were Ryan O'Hearn and Gunnar Henderson. Uh, O'Hearn, as the Orioles starting first baseman and number four batter, went two for three with a solo homer, a single, and a walk. Uh, He and an Orioles one-run second had a leadoff homer to right field on a one-two pitch from Padres starter Hugh Darvish for a one-nothing Orioles lead. So Ryan O'Hearn now in this regular season, 237 plate appearance is a slugging percentage of 500. Uh, and Gunnar Henderson, he is the Orioles starting shortstop and number two batter, went two for four with a three-run
one double and a single. Henderson, in a three-run fifth for the O's, had a one-out first pitch bases loaded opposite field three-run double uh, toward the left field corner off you Darvish for a 4 nothing Orioles lead. You know, Gunner needed that. Uh, he had been struggling lately, but a big hit right there. Also, Aaron Hicks is back. The O's on Monday afternoon reinstated outfielder Aaron Hicks from the 10-day entered list, which he had been on since July 25th due to a left hamstring strain. So the O's this past Friday activated center fielder Cedric Mullins from the 10-day entered list, which he had been on since July 19th, retroactive to July 16th due to a right adductor groin strain. And now the guy who had been Mullins' injury replacement is back. The O's on May 30th has the corresponding roster move to placing Mullins on the 10-day entered list with a right groin strain, signed Hicks to a major league contract off the New York Yankees on May 26, having released Hicks off having designated him for assignment. This season is Hicks's age 33 season. Hicks in this 4-1 win at the Padres uh, as the Orioles starting left fielder and number eight batter, two for three with two singles. He did commit an error, but boy, has he been productive for the O's. 155 plate appearances and OPS of 795. Now, the O's on Monday afternoon as the corresponding roster move to reinstating Aaron Hicks from the 10-day entered list optioned outfielder Colton Kowser to AAA Norfolk. Uh, the O's on July 5th selected the contract of Kowser from AAA Norfolk. He, at the time of being called up to the majors, was the number 14 prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline and had been raking for AAA Norfolk in the 2023 season, an OPS of 996 over 257 plate appearances. But Kowser, in this initial stint with the O's at the major league level, struggled 77 plate appearances, an OPS of just 433. I mean, he really did not do much. And, you know, you think about this, it is a reminder that not all of these highly talented Orioles prospects are going to be great from the get-go. Heck, Gunnar Henderson, catcher Adley Rutschman, they had initial struggles at the major league level. And a sample size of 77 plate appearances for Colton Kowser really isn't much. So if you're an O's fan, uh, I would not worry too much about Colton Kowser. He will be back, and uh, I expect him uh, to do quite well. You can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jerry Moore, writes Jerry, Hi, Al. I've been loving the podcast. We need you back on the radio <laughs> as a regular, along with the podcast, too. I watched the wall-to-wall baseball episode on Masson celebrating Jim Palmer's 60 years with the O's organization. He's one of my favorite all-time O's. Great career on the mound and in the booth. Could you give him a shout-out in honor of all that he has meant to the O's and O's fans for 60 years? Still great on O's games. Thanks. Uh, thank you for the email, Jerry. Absolutely. Uh, Jim Palmer, Orioles icon of that. There is no doubt. Best pitcher in team history. Uh, he remains excellent as an Orioles analyst. Just had COVID, actually. But uh, I hope that Jim Palmer does Orioles games forever. The guy is an institution. Uh, game two for the O's at the Padres at Tuesday night at 940. Jack Flaherty will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it 
for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at El Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 635. We'll include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday night at 7.05 of game one of a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday night at 9.40 have game two of a three-game series at the San Diego Padres. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Um, some position flex.